Welcome to the Cosmic Collective Podcast. I'm your host and psychic medium, Mads, and in this community, we talk about all things spiritual awakening, higher consciousness, and unlocking the path back to your soul. Welcome to the Collective. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am beyond thrilled to introduce you to today's guest. She's an Olympian, author, speaker, and coach who has been transforming the lives of the collective through her incredible mindset work, retreats, and extensive knowledge on creating a magnetic as fuck life. Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We were just saying, I feel like this is long overdue. I feel like I've known you in the like internet world and it's so yeah. nice to like be together in like real time and, and yeah. having a conversation. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be so expansive and just empowering in so many ways for myself, right. for everyone listening. And I just really want to start off with before we even get into the Olympics, what was your life like? Like how did everything lead up to the moment of being like, okay, I'm going to be an Olympian. Yes. Have you heard this story before? No, I don't think you know this. Oh, okay. Okay. So this is a pretty wild um, story. And it's funny because sometimes, and probably like yourself, like, you know, you might've told it so many times, but you know, there's always new people finding you. And I, I always, I'm always very grateful for the opportunity to share because, you know, what I call myself is the unlikely Olympian. And that's also the title of my book. And my story really is a representation of that because I think we see Olympians nowadays, um, which is amazing. And we're like, oh my gosh, they were like the talented athlete. You know, they were like the MVP, the VIP, the all the acronyms, like always like most likely to succeed. And that is the case for a lot of athletes, but that was not my journey. Um, And so my journey started um, back in Vancouver, Canada, where I was born. um, And my parents are both Australian. So that's going to be a very important piece of information. I was wondering Um, how that worked out. I was like, yeah, this work. Okay. Yep. Noted. Yeah. So my parents are Aussie. Um, and my oldest brother was born in Australia, but I'm the youngest of five. So the rest of us were born here. Um, and my parents, we still have family in Australia and all of that. And so being the youngest and my siblings are quite a lot older than me. My mom put me in all these sports growing up and I was kind of, I was always, people wouldn't believe it now, but I, I definitely have shyness in me, you know, that like socially awkward. Um, yeah, I know people, (laughs) I know people are really surprised, but I was like mute. Like I was so afraid of being in like groups of people. And I was, I really struggle with my self-confidence and my self-worth just from a young age. And so my mom checked me in this sport, um, a little known sport of synchronized swimming when I was eight years old. So we're a family of swimmers, water babies. I mean, my parents like grew up going to the beach, you know, in Australia in Sydney, right? right? So all of us are good swimmers and I love gymnastics, but I'm like way too tall for gymnastics. I'm five foot nine. So I'm oh, quite tall. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> I know people like five always... feet, I'm five feet tall. I'm like, oh my God. Hi. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how you like, don't know how tall people are online. It's, yeah. it's like very different perspective in person. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, gymnastics is like out of the picture. Like that wasn't going to happen for me. And so my mom found synchronized swimming. And so she put me in a few like classes and, and, um, I started to fall in love with it after a couple of years. It was the combination of, it's just something that is so different, you know, from what most people do. Also being a little girl, getting to wear sparkly bathing suits, (laughs) you know, makeup. And like, it's this combination of, 
expressing yourself like a dancer, but also adding in this really beautiful element of like incredible athleticism because Insane. the level of, yeah, the level of um, fitness that you need to have and strength that you need to have and grace that you need to have to be a synchronized swimmer is just like, it's wild. There really is no other sport that really compares to that right. level. And you know, and you do all of that holding your breath 50% of the time. Yeah, you know? I have a question on that later. Cause that just, I watched your video from Rio that you posted on your story oh, yeah. a couple days ago. And I was like, how, how is she not like passing out under there? <laughs> like what's going on? Sorry, continue. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and so throughout, I, I was in love with this sport growing up. Um, and so I kept doing it through um, high school, but yeah. I was, oh, the one problem was I was just never, that talented at it. I was kind of like the girl that was like on the team that was like had the great attitude, but right. was not the most talented. I was never, you know, the top of the team. I was never the most likely to. And I was kind of okay with that. Like I, I also don't have any of the natural talents that you do need to become a synchronized swimmer. And so just like every sport, you know, if we think of some sports, you need to be really tall or some sports, you need to be really strong. In synchronized swimming, you need to be really flexible. Um, and I, I'm not from a <laughs> flexible family. I'm, that's not my strength. Okay. Um, I'm not flexible and I'm not graceful. I'm like really awkward um, and and that, that's okay, but right. it doesn't, it's who you it, are. it makes it hard. Yeah, it makes right. it hard in that sport. So yeah, um, I didn't have any of those natural talents and, but I loved it. And so I continued going and competing and um, with my team throughout high school. And I, when I was in grade 12, I got to go to national championships in Canada, the Canadian national championships, which was in PEI um, at the time. And I thought I was like, this is the pinnacle, you know, but again, I was on, I was equivalent of being on the bench. Like I was a reserve. Right. And okay. so I was like the girl that was like, just happy to participate and go. And I was, I felt so honored to be there. And that really felt like it was the end of the line. I was nowhere in my wildest dreams close enough to getting on the Canadian team. Um, it just, it wasn't even wildly feasible. And so I retired, um, quote unquote, when I was at graduated high school and, and I stayed involved and I kept coaching. Um, I was coaching little girls, how to swim, uh, do synchro. And I started to get back into it myself and I was doing it at um, like a recreational level, just kind of like you'd play like beer league softball, like I was kind of okay. doing the equivalent, right? So just with my girlfriends that we used to compete um, and together and, and just for fun, so a few hours a week. And I was in, it was 2013 at the time, which is crazy that that's 10 years ago. Now. Right? <laughs> <You know. laughs> Where did the time go? Um, and I was in university. Um, I was going to UBC. I was working a couple jobs. I was lifeguarding. I was coaching synchro. Um, and I was going to my training um, with my friends one day. And we were doing this thing um, called a highlight in synchronized swimming. So you might have seen it if you watch the beginning of um, our routine after we dive in the water we all go under and, and someone does this yes. incredible jump right yeah so I that, that that's a highlight. <laughs> yeah okay so that's highlight. what a highlight is and so in when we practice that it's actually one of people don't realize that one of the most common injuries in synchronized swimming is concussions um because if that person falls on you that that's a hard impact right you we don't have helmets we're not like nfl football like oh <laughs> right? my god so we were training one day and my teammate jumped off my shoulders and she slipped and she fell on my head oh god damn. i've had five concussions in a very short <sighs> period so i know the pain that comes with this oh my god i'm nauseous <laughs> yeah okay you know concussions i know suck. they do and they're very um you know 
I say they're really similar to struggling with your mental health because you like, you look fine. Like I had no cuts, I had no bruises, I wasn't bleeding. But when I was driving home that evening from training, I started to feel really nauseous. I had a really bad headache right behind my eye. Um, And I went home and I had a midterm the next day and I was trying to study for it. And I would remember, I was like trying to read the words on on the page in my textbook and I knew it was English, but I had no idea what it said. Like my brain just like couldn't comprehend, right? And so the next day I went to the doctor and they said, you have a concussion. Um, and the only way, if you've had many concussions, the only way to recover from concussions is rest. A dark room for however a dark long, room. no for sound, no stimulus. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and they say a side effect of concussions is depression, but I can imagine that anyone that would be in that circumstance, like how could you not be depressed? Like you're basically you're- told to like be in a coma, but awake, right? Yeah. And with like no one to talk to because that's stimulation that your brain has to receive and process, which like hinders the healing process. And you're in a dark room. So like no sunlight because that's an irritant. Like, yeah, yeah. of course you're going to get depressed. Yeah. Exactly. Of- right. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm sure that you experienced. And so yep. it was kind of one of those moments where I was like really, you know, throwing my fist up at the universe and being like, why, why did sure. this happen? But yeah. it, the gift of that is that's also the only thing basically that you can do when you're concussed is meditate. Um, yes. <laughs> right. So that is what I first started. I was like, okay, I'm going to start this thing called meditation. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of like a little, I think, breadcrumb from the universe that that was sure. a piece of my path, but I didn't really understand yet. And yeah. so I was, you know, trying to recover from this concussion, not very well, because I wasn't listening. I wasn't resting. And it was just prolonging <laughs> my symptoms. Um, right. as a lot of people with concussions have experienced, I ended up having to drop out of the semester of university um, because I I just, I couldn't like comprehend, yeah. like it, when you have a concussion, like for anyone listening, like you don't realize how much information we take in, in our brain every single day. And I going outside of like my room, much less my house was so overwhelming, like yeah. to the stimulus in my brain that I just like had to sleep and, and then I would get yep. headaches. Yep so hard and much less like going to I remember one day I tried to go back to my lecture and I like I couldn't even handle because you're in a room with like 300 people like it's just too much right even even just the lights like the the it's so bright that then add the people then add the sound no yeah (laughs) no no not a vibe (laughs) yeah so I I had to drop out and and that was a challenge you know just um but it was also you know, amongst all of this, I was kind of the person that followed the path, right? I think right. the path that a lot of us, when you go to high school, you go to university, you get a good job. Like I was yeah. following that path. And this whole time, you know, I was like, I just, I don't know if this is my path. I don't really want this. It doesn't excite me, but it's just what you're supposed to do. Right. right. Um, and so the great thing about the concussion is it just like made me sit down with my thoughts. And you had nothing else to do but sit with yourself. And that's really hard if you've never faced yourself, right? Oh, because unimaginably. Because we our scariest person. And so, sure. um, I, you know, I was facing all of this stuff. And, and little did I know, you know, what was coming for me in yeah. a beautiful sense. So this happened in October 2013. My birthday is like mid-November. I'm a nice. Scorpio. Um, okay. And... <laughs> The day after my birthday, the day after my 21st birthday, I was on the phone with a girlfriend of mine and she was a past teammate. And she, when we were on the phone, she got a little Bing message from on Facebook Messenger from a coach that used to coach her that was now coaching the Australian national team. Synchronous swimming is a very like small world. And so 
Okay. People kind of know each other in like different, you know, if, if one person goes here, there. And so this coach used to coach her and she knew that my girlfriend as well um, had dual citizenship to Australia. Her father was Aussie. And so she said to her, this is 2013 at the time, is there any chance you'd want to come to Australia, try out for the, the team because we're working on rebuilding the team to qualify for the Rio Olympic Games? Because Hot after chills. the 2012 Olympics, the entire team retired and it's a much smaller sport in Australia. And so I was on the phone with her, right? I have a concussion. I also have dual citizenship. I also am a synchronized swimmer. But I'm first of all, I'm just like, you got to do this. This is amazing. You go Absolutely. for it, girl. Like just like any like good friend, you're just like, oh my god, I believe in you. This is amazing, right? Yes, yeah, for sure. It's like your and birthright. so <laughs> yeah. And so after about like you know 15 minutes, when like when all kind of settled, then she looks at me and she's like, well, Danielle, like you could do this as well. Like you, I love right? it. I love you could it do so. this as well. And I'm like, are you joking me? Like. <laughs> what are you talking about? She was always more talented than me. She was always like one of the ones that had a lot more talent naturally. And I wasn't. And, 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 and even though there was this huge laundry list of things of like, I was concussed. I was currently a university dropout. I literally couldn't do anything. I was never the most talented. Like I was in Canada. Like there was all of these things that were stacked against me, but there was this little ruminating thought in my mind that just said to me, like, what if, right what if like even though this seems impossible like well what if you just tried right and one of the things that i remember that i made this pact with myself when i was in my teens um i think i was i'm you know old soul through and through because as a teenager i said i want to live with no regrets i never want to back away from something because i'm afraid and that came back into my mind because I was so afraid. I was so afraid what people would think. I was so afraid of failing. I was so afraid of like it not working out. I was so afraid of judgment from others, but I was more afraid of wondering what if. Yeah, that's the killer at the end of the day, right? Like if you look at your whole life, like imagine you hadn't taken this path, which is obviously your soul's path and it has launched you fully into purpose. I hate to get morbid, but you're a Scorpio. So maybe you're okay with this, but like imagine being on like your deathbed and being like, having reviewed a completely different life and wondering what if you never went to the Olympics, that's like, that is soul crushing. I feel in all honesty, that's, that's the thought that ignited me because I said, I said to myself, like exactly what you said. I was like, what if I'm on on my deathbed one day and I look back and I say to myself, I should have been brave. I wish I was braver. Right. Yeah. And I, (laughs) even though the fear of people judging me, the fear of failure, the fear of all of those things were so big. I was more afraid of wondering who I could have been if I had the courage and I didn't want to live my life wondering what if. And so that thought, like that decision changed the trajectory of my life. And I, I completely, there's so much more to this. And you know, this is why I wrote the book um, because I go into it so much deeper, but I remember I went in and I, I spoke to my parents. Um, I was living with my parents at the time when I was concussed and, and bless their soul. They're beautiful people, but like you can imagine their daughter's concussed. They're like, I'm going to go to the Olympics. They're like, sorry, what? Like you've also been playing like recreational synchronized. So I guess like, Danielle, they're like, sorry, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know, right? And like, anyone, like, it was, it's, it's so crazy. Like, it is so impossible that 
like no one would have believed that it was even a path. And but that gave me that gave me the drive because one of the things that the concussion took away was it kind of took away my purpose. I was like, what is the point? Like I had nothing to recover for. Like I was I was, okay. I, was I had the semester off. Like I I was like nothing right. was driving me, and I was it was you know I was feeling sorry for myself, and so I was in my little victimhood. Yeah, and and having that like thought that idea that opportunity all of a sudden I was like okay I'm going to recover from this and I'm gonna get my butt to Australia I'm gonna get my butt to the Olympic Games which just sounds okay. wild but within six weeks I was on a plane I flew to Perth Australia which I've ne never had been before I went to the training camp where there were 16 girls that were trying out and I was like the bottom of the 16 like the bottom yeah. of the bottom but I also was like hey I have a one in 16 chance. <laughs> Which is a lot bigger than a, like the majority of people, right? Like Exactly. You're right? a lot closer, so. Yep. Exactly. And so even though, like, I had to be really self-aware in this moment as well, because I have to know the things that I'm going in with that are not my strong suit, right? Like, I'm not the most talented. I'm not the most flexible. Um, I'm not the most graceful. But what do I have? I have a great attitude. I can be a great team player. And I'm really willing to work on myself. And I'm really willing to improve. And I was like, okay, well, if that's it. Like, we're just going to have to work with that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. honestly and truly, like, that like having those things that is what made me allow myself to improve and go from the bottom of the ranks to the time that I actually tried out for my Olympic team squad to coming fourth. Oh my God. From 16th to fourth. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense, right? Like it, it but what the, the things that I did is I worked on my mind. I worked yes. on my mindset. I worked on my self-belief and I put myself in the place. Like I put myself yep. in the environment of the people that were doing the thing. And I was so willing to take a huge courageous risk that seems so wild, but it felt so aligned that things started to line up in my favor. It doesn't, I had so many challenges along the way, like financially, emotionally, physically, like it was so challenging, it. like everything. Yeah. Um, but I started to improve it and I got on the Olympic team and I ended up at the Olympic games, like to make a long story short. Yeah. And so the reason why I like, I love sharing this story is because I think when we see people's glory, we don't see the story and we don't see how hard it is for them to have gotten to the place that they've been. And we do this thing as humans, as women, where we go easy for them, right? Yep. Yes. Right. Easy. Yes. Like they don't know me, like they don't know my story, but like, exactly. I really work on emphasizing this like extreme unlikelihood of my journey, because if I was like nobody and I can become an Olympian, like imagine what we all could do. And that has everything to do with self-belief. And like you said, the ability and willingness you have to meet yourself where you are and just be really like, in a sense, like confrontational with yourself, you know, and to admit where you need to work on yourself. I think it's like mind over matter. I'm a big mind over matter person. A hundred percent. And I, that was one of the things that I saw so much in my like a journey as an athlete i'd like i saw so many other athletes that weren't as willing to be as self-aware like intensely okay. self-aware okay. and that is such a huge critical like piece in what makes people successful right Absolutely. being willing to like have the level of self-awareness where you're not beating yourself up that you don't take any action but right you're not so much in your ego that you think that you're the best where you yeah. can have this like polarity of like 
okay, I have some qualities that are really good and I have a lot of weaknesses. So what can I do to strengthen those things and use that to actually improve myself? Because most of the people, yes, there's gonna be a small group of people that are at the top of the top that are gifted and talented, right? They have all the things, but a lot of the people that are doing amazing things, they've actually optimized their mind, their self-belief, their self-worth to actually make it happen. And we all have that capacity within us. Absolutely. And it's about also taking yourself out of a victim state as well, because you could have seen all of those challenges, your concussion, your finances, living in Canada, like all of these things stacked against you You could have been like, oh, well, I just can't be in the Olympics. That's life. Yeah. Thought against that. And you chose victor mentality and literally ended up an Olympian. Like, like top of the victory chain like what like, are you saying like what? it's so crazy like it's it so crazy <laughs> it's insane is it still insane to this day like 10 years later yeah. when you reflect on the journey yeah I still have moments where I just cry like oh my God, I believe it it's so <laughs> surreal think, yeah it's it's I think it's deep gratitude you know right. um of that like and pride of myself that I did it and just it it, it feels so unreal, uh, but also one of the things that I said to myself on this journey, you know, when I was in it was like, if I'm able to pull this off, like if I'm able to do this thing, like I have to do something with this because it felt like it was so much bigger than me. Like right. it didn't feel fair for me to go through this entire experience and then just like move on with my life and, and not share it, you right. know? Right. And so that is what led me to doing what I'm doing now. So what was that like? So you, you finished the Olympics, you're in Rio. It's like closing ceremony, all those parties with the pineapple costumes yeah. and everything. Um, what's it like the next day? Like how, how does that transition period start for you? So I didn't know that there was a life that existed after August 19th, 2016, because that was the day that I, the last day that I competed, I competed twice. And so okay. <laughs> that was the last day. And I actually, it's kind of a thing that athletes have to do, you know, going into Olympic, it's such an intense mindset you have to get into that. Like, it's literally all that you can focus on because you can't focus on what's after because your whole life revolves around like this one thing. Right. And so the day after came and I was like, Oh my God, life keeps moving. (laughs) Like, what do I do? (laughs) Like, I feel like I was on the treadmill and the speed like went too fast. Right. And I was like, just trying to keep up. And I, it was so fascinating because I, you know, I got to come back to Australia. We went and did this like parade at the, you know, opera house and the Sydney opera house that, you know, and the Sydney Harbor Bridge was like, you know, it was very iconic for everyone and signing autographs and go back home to Perth and, you know, do a parade as well. And then I go back and I'm like, what do I do now? (laughs) Yeah. It's like an identity crisis almost. Yeah. And I, I, um, I had never imagined life beyond that point because it seemed Mm -hmm. so impossible for me to get there that I didn't know what it was like beyond that. And so that was a real hard slap in the face, but really humbling and really made me kind of like step into, okay, well, what is next? And I realized, you know, and one of the things that was so important that I share about my journey as well is like, I really deeply fell in love with the process. Like Mm. I fell in love with going to trading every day. I fell in love with being around my teammates. I fell in love with improving. I fell in love with growing. And that is what I truly believe led me to that success because yes, like the Olympics is like sparkly and amazing and really cool, but 
the 90% of the time, 95% of the time of what I did was like the day to day. I went to training. I like showed up. I journaled every day. We visualized, we like did all this stuff. And so I realized how much I actually loved the process. And that led me to like, after 2016, I stayed in, I kept, I was saying I was on the national team still. And we went to, um, you know, a world championships the next year in Budapest. Um, and I, you know, in total, I was on the team for five years. I went to three world championships, which is a really which world championships is a really big deal like yeah. in sport just people That's care insane. more about the olympics and, and i got to go to the olympics and in 2019 i got the opportunity to um compete as australia's first mixed duet so this is a male and a female synchronized swimmer um it's a new new category that had been um kind of opened as of 2015 and and we had a male synchronized swimmer and um, my coach came up to me and she was like any chance you'd want to be his partner and again i was like what are you kidding me like i'm not graceful enough i'm not beautiful enough i'm like not any of these things um but more mindset work (laughs) yeah more mindset work right yeah um (laughs) I was, it was such an honor as well. It was like such a cool moment to like, you know, make history. And at that point, you know, I was considering going to another Olympics. I was considering going to the 2020 Olympics um, because I was, I was like, oh my God, imagine going to two Olympics. But I had this real big ego and soul dilemma because my I realized that my ego wanted to go to another Olympics because like Olympics are really cool like it's a really cool to go twice it's a really a, cool experience a huge accomplishment imagine doing yeah. that huge accomplishment a second time like exactly absolutely. right yeah um yeah. but then my soul was like there's more it's there's more there's mm-hmm. more and one of the things about being an athlete is it's it's an incredible thing but it is the most selfish thing that you can do because you need to be selfish like you Absolutely. all you focus on every day is what you're eating how you're recovering what you're doing is all about you and your body yes. which is fine but um for a certain period of life but i got to a point where i was like i don't want it to just be about me all the time like i want it to be bigger because right in a maybe backwards selfish way which you can probably understand mads like contribution is the best thing in the entire world like con- contributing yes. and making a difference and helping other people is the best feeling that you can ever have beyond your own accomplishments like yes your accomplishments are so pride filling yes. for a certain period of time but like the, to literally the, die a happy person you can be like i made a difference on this planet right oh i'm so with you on that it's like for me i've always felt like okay i got through something or i accomplished something that's great but right after it fades like what do you do with it Right. And I've always found that what you do with your accomplishments and your growth, it always, I don't know, it just always means so much more to me. And I always have so much more gratitude for the impact that comes from it rather than what I accomplished. Cause I know I can do things for the most part. Obviously there's mindset work and you've got to like work through that, but to be able to bring that to other people I'm with you contribution is it's top tier for sure. Mm. It's, it's, it's so, you know, and I say this to Luca, like he's now my fiance, like often I said it to him today it's like it's a really cool feeling to know that like if you died tomorrow you'd be proud of who, what you did yes yes you know and it's not even about you know someone might be like well easy to, for you to say Danielle you've been to the Olympics but it's not about that it's about like what you were on the pursuit of doing you know because you I feel like you don't have to have accomplished it yet but right. being on the pursuit of it like you know for Canadian someone like Terry Fox right like the pursuit yes. of what he was doing his legacy has lasted so much longer than himself exactly. you know and so to have this feeling of like you know I was on the pursuit 
and doing things that made a difference to this planet. And I was going after my dreams. Like that is the best feeling in the entire world. And so that led me in, in 2019, when I realized I was not going to go to another Olympics, that I was going to retire and walk away and, and, and share my book with the world and then move yeah. into this online space and, and go after my next dream. And so that's kind of what transitioned me into what I'm doing now. And did you find that emotionally challenging because of that ego soul pull? Like how, how was that process for you of honoring? Okay. This is my soul's purpose. My purpose is evolving in its own way. How did you navigate that? I was literally like going back and forth for like two or three years. Like since the last Olympics, I was like, what do I do? And so, you know, by by the time I retired, it was 2019. So that was like three years of me really contemplating it um, because one of the things that was so frustrating is as soon as I walked off the stage at the Rio Olympics, what came into my head was so we, we stand on stage to get our scores. And so as soon as I walked off the stage, in my, my mind said to me, I want to do that again. And I was like, damn it, what does that mean? Oh. <laughs> right? like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Like, that's a lot. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so I was like, does that mean another Olympics? And, but you know, uh, it, it, I think it just meant uh, for me, it meant just a, a, how, gr- how great can I become within this discipline? And so right. going to world championships, two more world championships, mm-hmm. like I had that feeling where I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good now. And, and having this distinguishment of like ego and soul yeah. finally, when I kind of had my own awakening through that process as well was really yeah. helpful because what I did was I asked for a sign. Um, Um, I was like, okay, universe, I was at this training camp where I was trialing for the the Tokyo Olympic team. And I said, okay, I need a sign. Like I need some type of sign. And there, have you heard of Xavier Rudd? He's an Australian artist, um, singer. Okay, really cool music, I suggest. Um, You might've heard some of his music. He's, I just love his love his music. And so the the week before the training camp, I went to a Xavier Red concert with my girlfriend um, and we got free tickets like randomly. And then when we get to this training camp, we're finding out what our routine is going to be for that we're going to be swimming and um, choreographing for the Olympics. And we have this international coach that's come from Italy. And she says, she like turns on the music and she the music starts playing and I'm like, oh my God, this is Xavier Rudd. Like, this is like my favorite musician. Like we're going to swim at the Olympics. They are going to swim at the Olympics to my favorite musician. I'm like, what is that supposed to be universe? Like what type of what? sign is that? Yeah. Right? What is What is that actually saying? Like get a little bit I more know. clear. <laughs> I was like trying to decode it. I was like, that's so frustrating. Like, I feel like it made it harder, but what that made me realize is like, even though it was like my favorite artist and like what a cool thing to like swim to your favorite artist yeah. music at the Olympics. Yeah. There was part of me that still didn't want to do it. I still didn't want to go. Oh, that's and that, that was my sign. I was like, okay. that's it. Like, yeah. that's my decision because it was like, even like the big, basically like the biggest carrot that you could have put in front of me. I was right. like, there's still a part of me that just doesn't want to. And, um, I, I, and I think it's like, I think this is for this might, be related to people in sports or other parts of life it's really important to finish something before you get resentful of it um yeah because i did my sport for 18 years in total which is a long time when you retire at 26. um yeah and i still loved it when i finished it but i knew that if i kept going i would resent it um and i didn't want to i wanted to always be in love with it and so it's like people that end a relationship before they hate the person, you know, kind of that. Like, choice. I think, 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's, it was, it was really nice to walk away at that point because I still am so deeply in love with that sport, even though I don't obviously take part anymore. Right. Um, but that was kind of how I made the decision. That makes sense. And I feel like that's, that's such a telltale sign when you have everything in front of you, that is a yes in this case, right. For the second round yeah. of Olympics, but that thing inside you says, no, it's kind of the opposite of the first time you went to the Olympics, like everything in front of you was saying no, but you said yes. It's mm. really tuning into your intuition. And I feel like on the point of resentment as well, I feel like leaving before you got to that point is what has allowed you to hold so much gratitude probably for your yeah. experience. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Cause there is a lot of athletes that walk away and they want nothing to do with it and they hate it. And they right. like, because it, you can get so beaten down as an athlete and you are pushed to your limits in so many ways that there's a lot of people that walk away and want nothing to do with it anymore. And when you're in love with something for 18 years, I didn't want that for myself. So yeah. I'm really grateful that I made that decision when I did. And you know, it's like, have you, um, I saw, this is like, same, same, but different. <laughs> have you heard of Vanessa Lau? She's like, a, no. um, she's actually from Vancouver and she's like a, I guess, content creator. She was running this huge business. Um, uh, all or she had like hundreds of thousands on YouTube. She has like hundreds of thousands on Instagram. She talks all about like, she talked all about creating content and she was running like a seven figure business. And it was amazing. And it was interesting. I saw in February, she put this post out that she shut everything down. Like she had clients coming in. She had like a multi six figure program. She had like six employees and she shared how she quit. And she was like, but she quit before it got really bad. Right. And apparently there's a book around this. I wish I could. Um, but if you go look at Vanessa Lounge, it basically she walked away before she started to hate it because she knew that she was misaligned. It takes right. a lot for people to do that because I think a lot of people don't trust our intuition until it starts right. slapping us in the freaking face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also really powerful because you know, I can imagine so many people are like, well, why would you walk away? Like she had a seven figure business. She has like hundreds of thousands on YouTube and Instagram. Like she yeah. has everything, but she didn't love it. So she walked away. And, and I like, it takes so much. It's not pride. It's the opposite of pride. It takes so much courage. I feel to, mm -hmm. to do that. And I think the reality check that a lot of people who maybe haven't been in that circumstance or situation need to recognize is you could have all the money, you could have all the celebrity, but if it's not right in your soul, there is nothing that's going to fulfill you about it. And so mm -hmm. it takes, it's, it's a lot of courage, especially a seven figure business. My God, my right? God, that's brutal. <laughs> like, you know, oh, that's but good scary. for her because she's probably- so much more fulfilled now, just like you are so much more fulfilled with what mm -hmm. you're doing. Um, I do want to circle back kind of on the point you had mentioned, you go through a lot as an athlete, you're pushed to your limits. Were there things that when you were moving into your purpose now and becoming a coach and an author and a speaker, was there healing points that you had to work on in terms of relationship with exercise, yourself, your self-esteem because of like the challenges and being pushed so hard in, in your training for the Olympics? Yes. So it's amazing because I'm so grateful for so much that the Olympics has given me, but there's also a lot of unlearning that I've had to do. Wow. Um, and because I got I, I achieved that dream in many ways from a very masculine perspective. Right. It was very, so yeah, do, 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 right. It's all action based. So to give like people, I don't, people just don't, 
know much about synchronized swimming and how hard synchronized swimmers train. So the day to day is we would train six hours a day in the water, two, three, sometimes four hours on land, like five and a half to six days a week. So that's a lot, right? Like it's like 10 hours a day. Yeah, we're doing like 36 hours a week in the pool. And then we're doing land training and flexibility and like strategy and stuff all on top of that. Like, so that's like full exercise, right? Imagine doing 36 minimum hours of exercise a week. Like most people do six, like. I'd rather not, to be honest with you. I'd I'd rather live my life never knowing what that feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Respectfully. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. So that is, it's what it takes because it's such a technical and incredible sport, but it just takes that much time and detail. Um, But it was also, I got to the point where this was to my detriment is one of the things that I've had to learn through my doing the, the, the journey that I am on now is like, I've had to be okay being in stillness and be okay going slower right. and realizing that that's not bad and really lean into that feminine. Because when I retired, I was also on the edge of like burnout. Like I was exhausted. Like, you know, it. like my, my health was struggling. My hair was starting to fall out, like my periods. And like, oh like gosh. it was just, I wasn't, was not in a good place. And I also felt the sense of like, I couldn't push myself as much as I had in the past. And that's because I over pushed and, and because on top of, you know, not only training that much, um, we also were not paid athletes. Like I had to work on top of that. And so you wait, can imagine wait, what, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What illusion am I living in thinking that this is all like you're funded? What? No, no. So, so, how, so did you work part-time? How do you, how did you manage that? So we, um, I was living with, with this, another the other layer of this is this made me really financially dependent on my ex-partner and okay. um, he was in, he's an incredible human he was okay. really supportive of me but he was like paying rent and like food and all this stuff and I would work when I could when I wasn't like going away or on training camps and I was like bartending and nannying and like yep. <laughs> like I had all these different jobs and I was also coaching synchro and doing all the things and so it was really like stressful you know on Did top of that <laughs> yeah like not enough obviously yeah. <laughs> because it you know I remember there were some times where I'd work at the bar until one in the morning because I was bartending and then I would have to walk home because I didn't have a car because um, I couldn't afford to, a car at the time and then I would wake up at 5 a.m and I'd have to run to training because it was quick if I ran I could sleep longer and so I would jog there right and then I would train yep. for four and a half hours and you know like and I remember there was times I was just so I was so tired like and so exhausted and being you know being in not in a financially good place like that gets exhausting as well like there was times where you know we had a money tin and we'd crack open the money tin and I'd count out seven dollars of change and I'd go to the store you know and, and make food and and it was hard you know, it was really hard. Um, but um, I, so I, I, you know, the layers of all of this is by the time I retired, I was also kind of, I was tired of being broke. <laughs> I was tired of living yeah. in that way because it is only sustainable for so long. Like, I think if I was paid the whole time, it would have been a completely different experience. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, being 26, you know, and having 
you know, I it was an Olympian, but I had nothing to my name. I came back from the Olympic Games and I had to ask my dad for 300 bucks because I was broke. And wow. I got, we got back and it was interesting, like setting this, we were about to walk out in this parade and we we're standing in the Sydney Opera House about to walk out. And there was like hundreds of people out there going to sign autographs. And all of us Olympians were standing there and people were saying that everyone's like, yeah, I'm broke. They're like, I don't have nowhere to go. Like, I don't have a car. I don't have a job. Like, that's the 90% of Olympians. The 10% get sponsorship and as they should and get paid. But a lot of people sacrifice everything to go in the Olympics. And it's worth it. But there's repercussions of that. Yeah. And like that just adds to the whole identity crisis and transition that you're you're coming into after you accomplish something so incredible that's insane to me. I'm literally, I think I'm a little dumbfounded right now. The fact that like, you're just like, you were just living for years on an excess of cortisol and adrenaline. Like that's what kept yeah. you going. And so of course, by the end of this, your hair is falling out and things are off with your health because your body can't keep producing that much adrenaline. It's not meant yeah. to, it's not sustainable. It's- yeah, on so many levels, right? Like I'm physically pushing myself to the edge, like it's it's financially draining. And then I was also yeah. in a relationship that wasn't aligned. Like again, he is a good right. man, but we weren't meant to be together. So we yeah. were arguing all the time. And that's like right. so exhausting mentally on top of having to, you know, compete at your highest level. And so there's just everything. I, yeah. Just everything was like I just needed to move on and I needed to as well um do something for me. Like I love being part of a team. Like yeah. love it with my whole being, but it's also nice to be an individual and not have to make a decision based on what seven people think every day, <laughs> seven people other think, right? Because yeah. we have to make all decisions together, which is which is fine. It's basically like living in a polyamorous family or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> but know. you know, you just get to a point where you want your independence. So so all of those levels made me you know step into what I'm doing now and also like you know from from pull and from inspiration. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of unlearning of like. I physically couldn't build this business and do what I'm doing now from the same way that I did the Olympics. It like, I didn't have the energy in me and I didn't want to, like I wanted to do it in a different way so it could be sustainable. And so that's what I've, you know, been doing the past few years. It's like, how can I build this in a way that's sustainable for myself and my life, but also my nervous system and also my own like safety and space and also helping people. Because I think that there's a lot of people that build success in a really unsustainable way. And I, it's unfortunate because a lot of people get to the end of that and they're burnt out, they're exhausted and they have, you know, have years that they've kind of lost from building it that way. And, and there is another way, like energetically, spiritually, um, it doesn't mean that it isn't hard. It's other levels of hard, right? Yep, it is. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be physically as exhausting. It's more the mental challenge of, you know, you know, building yes. the business and, and, and helping the clients and reaching the world. You know, it's, it's more of the mental side. Absolutely. So how did you start that? How did you decide to become a coach and get into what you're doing now? Tell us, what what do you do? I want everyone to know because you light me up with your work. It makes me oh so my gosh. excited. Thank you. <laughs> um, so initially I actually, I wrote my book and I, I didn't even really know about the, like I had one friend that had done like, uh, had done a course online, like, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And and the lady that I was working with to help me with my book, she was like, oh, you should you should make a course out of this. And I was like, ah, I kind of wanted to do more speaking, public speaking. Right. But then um, me and Luca, my, my now fiance, we moved to Bali and um, 
I was like, you know, do, doing stuff online, that's a good idea. And everyone there basically works online. And so I knew nothing. I like walked in blind into this world <laughs> of online-ness. And I, it wasn't like, I want to be a coach. I was just like, I want right. to help people. Yes. I have this incredible story. I have all of this knowledge inside of me that, you know, I think an experience that I want to share with people. I don't want to gatekeep it. And so I was kind of like, how do I do that? Yep. <laughs> um, and so that led me to kind of falling into like the online coaching and programs and social media world um, as a way to share my message and my methods and and make a difference because you know my original desire too and it it still is to be a speaker and and I love speaking as like a part of what I do but what I wanted to understand is like I know my lived experience, but I want to know what other women are going through because it's all well and good if I know the solutions to my life, but I want to know what so many other women are moving through so I can actually help them with the perspectives that I know and the understandings that I have that actually apply to their own life. And so that led me into this work kind of accidentally. It was, it was more from the intention of helping than like, I want to be a coach. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I have a very similar story. So I get exactly what you're saying with that. Yeah. So what is your methodology? How are you helping the women in in your orbit get through the challenges that they're experiencing? Yes. So if for me, it's a combination of um, self-worth, which is huge. I really believe that elevating your self-worth as a woman, as a human is like the key to everything. It is basically a process of manifestation which people don't under realize because once you elevate your self-worth, you start to attract higher level things in within your life but also mindset because what a what i see in this it like boils my blood i see so many incredible people out there that have a dream and they give up too soon and mindset is that is the ability it's like the the bridge between having the dream and making it happen because every you know tom dick and harry has a dream but there's not as many people that actually make it happen and and we need more people in this world doing the thing that lights them up energetically it like literally changes the planet right on every level yes (laughs) exactly right and so teaching people that is so important to me but also you know I say manifestation, but like the spiritual realm of like, just there's something bigger than us. And it all makes so much more sense if we see it from a bigger realm, because I think the people that really get, you know, and I respect whoever, whatever person's beliefs, but if you want to work with me and if you don't believe at all in anything bigger, we're probably not aligned. Right. Yep. Yep. You're just not the right fit. Yeah. I'm with you on that for sure. Exactly. And so that lens it changes everything because we see life different. We see our lives different. We see the karma differently. We see what we're moving through, the challenges that we face all from a different lens. And so when you kind of combine those three things of self-worth mindset, and then the spiritual lens, it really starts to create massive transformation in life. And then I have the opportunity to do that through my coaching and my programs and now retreats as well with, with my partner. Yeah. I want to get into that before this conversation. We need to pivot into that at some point for sure. From your perspective professionally, what has been the biggest block, inner resistance or challenge that stops people from actually pursuing their goals in terms of the mindset? Because the mindset is the bridge, right? I'm in complete agreement with that. Um, What is it within? What is that biggest, most common challenge? I think it's two things. I think people don't understand how to have resilience. I think that that's something that not everyone has. 
Um, but we can all, we, we can all master, but we don't, we don't all know how, because I think a lot of people think that bad things just happen. And then, then like, oh, bad things happen to me. And this means that I shouldn't do it. It's like, no, 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 bad things happen. So you overcome it and you keep going. Yes. Right. Move on. Yes, exactly. And so many people don't understand that, you know, that I work with, it's like hard things happen to everybody, no matter where you're from, no matter what socioeconomic status you have, no matter what the color of your skin or the gender that you choose, we all have challenges and we all have adversity, but us being and having the capacity to learn how to overcome that and keep going when we have those moments when our knees hit the floor and we have tears rolling down our face because we feel like the universe is fucking us over and everything <laughs> feels so hard, right? Yeah. Like the ability that we have to overcome those moments that is so powerful. But then also our belief and like our, like you've said before, like our self identity, how we see ourselves, our limiting beliefs is what yes. I really believe holds us back. Because and again, this goes back to self worth because people think that they are just not good enough or they are just not worthy or mm. they're just not the type of person that can or because of their circumstances or because of how they're brought up or because right. of their x y or z right get any right. type of belief or excuse that they're not able to do the thing and that's just not true <laughs> ultimately right we, we create what we continue to focus on and if we're always focusing on our the things that tear us down we we are literally like contracted into this really dense frequency but yeah. in, if we continue to focus on our belief and start to unpack the things that have happened to us and see it again from this bigger spiritual perspective because i think we also have to look at it right because I agree. This, I think this world sometimes is like, oh, just affirmation it out. I'm like, yeah, but if you have trauma, you're not just going to say an affirmation. It's gonna <laughs> yeah, like go you can't away, just say, right? this doesn't bother me anymore. I am healed. It's like, yeah. yeah, the inner child and the ego are like, fuck you, I'm not healed. I'm pissed exactly. off and I'm sad. So, yeah. you know, and the subconscious exactly. is also harboring all these beliefs that are not even in the forefront of the mind and in, in the conscious mind. And people are wondering, well, I know this. I don't know if you've come across this in your work. I'm sure you have of someone will say, I know I'm worthy. I know I want the money, whatever it is. I know I want X, but then it's still not happening for them because mm. they don't realize it's subconscious that there's something that they're unaware of that needs pulling out. You, you see there's that like, so, yeah, uh, there's some type of like subconscious or, um, like bias or sorry, like that's wanting to hold them back, right? Yes. It's like, oh, sorry, unconscious benefit of why they're staying yes. in the place. Protection are, right? in some way. Protection, safety, we, because ultimately our deepest fears are being pushed out of the tribe, yep. being not loved or being like in physical danger, right? Yes. Like if we Survival go back mechanisms. to- yeah, if we go back to our primal needs. So the reason why I was terrified of trying out for the Olympics, I was terrified of being judged, pushed out of the tribe, terrified of, um, you know, probably not dying, but like not being loved because I'm pushed out of the tribe, right? And so yeah. we have these really deep seated fears that even though we can consciously know exactly like you said, the 10% of 5% of our mind that's like, yeah, no, I am worthy. There's still a real big deep subconscious part of ourselves that's keeping ourselves trapped. And we have to unpack that to move forward. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that we need support in unpacking that because I believe that there is only so much work we can do. I feel like you can do maybe like 90 to 99% of the work on your own, but I feel like that last one to 10%, you need someone else because it, it unlocks a very crucial part of your mind and your soul that you can't do from your own personal perspective because you're so locked into your mind and your soul and your body and your life experience that you need someone else to observe you 
and give you the key essentially. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Like it, and I remember, I think one of my, one of my one-on-one clients was telling me about this person that she was starting to date like red flag central with him. Oh right? no. And, and, and he was saying, he's like, no. And she was telling me she, she, that he said to her, he's like, no, I've done the work. I'm like, okay, cool. What did you do? He's like, no, I did the work by myself. <laughs> I was oh. like, no, okay. Okay. Maybe you've done a little bit, but like, have you, if you haven't done done the work with someone else or with some type of mirror reflection or person, whether it be like therapy or courses or like conversation or group counseling or whatever, like you have someone, someone, <laughs> anyone. Yeah, like <laughs> you and even like I can, I'm sure you understand. Like even myself, like I have blind spots. Yeah. I have people that Absolutely. I have coaches that I work with because I can't see every part of myself, myself even though well. I do this work all of the time. Like you know. Yes you can teach it and teach it and teach it and follow it and follow it and follow it. But when you have this inner block that you're trying to understand about yourself or a block that you're not even aware that you have within yourself, you need that other person. Even if you teach this for a living, I'm right there with you. Exactly. Like we we all have blind spots, like even the most self-aware person. And so we need those reflected back to us. And that's why, like, if you are in, you know, I, I, my relationship is he's like, I'd like feel like I do the work all the time. So my relationship, because if you're yeah. in relationship with someone who's like really aligned, you're just like mirror central, trigger central. And so it's a great catalyst for change and, and yeah. transformation, but it's also really challenging or whether you like choose a program or a coach or a therapist or whatever it be, but you just, you really like do need that. And even, you know, I reflect back as an athlete, like I was doing my own I had coaches every single day like I could have never gotten to the Olympics without a coach right exactly no athlete ever goes to the Olympics without having a coach (laughs) that's a good Um, analogy to use in the work that you do now like mindset wise like no one gets to their goals without a coach literally Literally. Olympic mirror like yeah and like there's always you know if we I've seen like some sports here and there where someone will like go without a coach you know in in um for a while but it it never lasts long because we all need somebody that sees something inside of us that we can't see inside of ourselves and gives us that tough love that when we need it and also knows what to do because we don't know what to do because we haven't done it before and even if we have done it before there's always going to be something that knows somebody that knows something more than us right and so I think that's such an important perspective and like but I also had a sports psychologist like I'm so grateful that I had these resources so I not only had a coach that was telling me what to do and and we would you know we would talk about things as well but I also had a sports psychologist to help me unpack my mind and see it from a different way because that is one of the biggest things that makes like champions the yes. difference between champions and not champions is is being able to have control of your mind. Absolutely. Again, mind over matter. Mind influences matter every single time. So, yeah, I I just I love that you're teaching this. I love I, I love all of this. And the one thing I really like about the way that you show up in your community and the way that you show up for everyone and you lead is that you do so unapologetically. At least that's how I receive it. Like you are Thank just you. such a like in the most respectful way, like you're just kind of like, a, I don't give a fuck. This is me. And like, mm. and it's filled with light and love. I mean it in like a really positive way. And that is inspiring for me as someone who is also leading a community. Cause sometimes I feel like that, that sense of like, Oh, I don't know if I can like bear my full truth in this moment. But then I see you just lighting up and feeling so empowered and confident. And I feel like that translates hundred percent to your community. Mm, thank you so much for that reflection because that has taken a lot of work like that has taken a lot of work to get to that point of just like because I have been such a big people pleaser growing up um 
And a big lesson that I had in that as well was like, I, I tried many years to be the nicest person, like nice to everyone all the time. And then I would still have people that didn't treat me kindly. And right. I still would have people that didn't like me. And then, so I was like, if I am nice and people still don't like me, then what the fuck am I doing this for? Right. And it's not about, there's nothing wrong with like being nice is, is, is a beautiful thing. Like I'm right, so being respectful to the people that you know and meet is so important, but it is work to let go and realize that not everyone's going to like you, you know, and, and there's going to be people that are just triggered by you. And, oh, and yes. even this year, I've been getting so many more like hate comments, which is like really? challenging. Yeah. <laughs> But like, how, yeah. how you're but so there are people that, thank you. But there are people that don't know me, right? Like, it's always a person that has found a video out of somewhere and then decides to say something as if they know me, right? Whether it be a comment on me, you know, you know, like what I'm doing and like, or as, as something that I'm saying, or like people have criticized like me, you know, even, you know, selling courses and selling my right. coaching and, and, and that type of like, well, if you want to help people, like, why are you monetizing it? Right. And people, oh, people I have, don't understand. <laughs> I have such an opinion on that. And I think the reason people have that, that perspective and that anger with that is because they feel maybe on some level subconsciously or otherwise guilty or unworthy of monetizing their own gifts as their purpose. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I feel like I, and I think, why. I think it's people's money, just money wounds. Oh, in general, collective right? money wounds. Yeah. Existing yeah. across the board and the, yeah, absolutely. And it, like I, but I, that's a really good point. And, and I think it as well is like people don't understand the power of like frequency exchange because there's only (laughs) there's so many people that have free stuff out there all the time like you literally could go and do every like i literally yesterday like tony robbins just hosted a free conference called unleash her power within like yeah you know i signed up i didn't go (laughs) because i was doing other things but it was free and so like i was like oh cool i'm like not missing anything i can catch the recording but it's like if you pay money for something the energetic exchange is so much more clean that it's like if i paid a thousand dollars for that of course i'd be freaking there like i would clear my schedule i'd you know like because people value things more when there's a money a price to it and so i have been through the place of like i've given away courses entire courses for free i've given away so much for free and it's been so interesting to see how people do not value free things no and they value when they invest in themselves and that's just a psychological thing it's it's just proven psychologically and i think it's still great though to have free offerings like a free workshop or master class because the reality is and obviously you can attest to this having been in the financial position you were after becoming an olympian is not everyone can invest right now but yeah. if you can provide them a solution that might be so crucial for them to change something in their life that might lead to more abundance then when they feel ready they'll be able to make that investment whether it's with you or someone that they feel exactly. aligned with and at the end of the day the free offer still helps them and moves them and it it just lights up the world and it has that, that pay it forward effect, right? A hundred percent because there's so many incredible people doing free things out yeah. there, which is like, they're so valuable as well. Like yes. so incredibly valuable. And so like there, there is that duality. That's, that's a big piece of work that I've had to do in this space of like, it is safe for me to charge what I am worth and yes. to receive what I am worth. Because I also know that when people are in my community, in my offerings, they have life-changing experiences yes. and that is worth it. That is yes. absolutely worth it. 
Absolutely. And the people who are leaving these comments are just doing it from a point of pain. They don't know you. Like that's, I think the most important thing is exactly they don't know you. So as much as it hurts the inner child, right. And pisses off the ego. It's like when we zoom out into that more spiritual perspective, it's like, they're just, they're using you as a punching bag, which isn't right, Mm. but that's all they're doing. So Mm, exactly. And it's, so it's, I'm so grateful for the lens of this work because it's helped me move through the stuff like that. And then you see people at even like bigger levels, you know, people that have massive followings and you can imagine the amount of hate that those people get. And it's given me so much, um, like grace for people that put themselves out there online because you put yourself out there for so much love. Yes. But also a lot of hate. And a lot of people can't handle that. Right. And, and it's also given me such a beautiful perspective of like, you do not, unless you have met someone and you know them and they're your friend, you do not know who someone is. If they show up online, like I believe I show up so authentically, but there can still be people that don't like me, but right. There's just like no point in hating on people online. Like there's so many better things to do with your life. You know what I mean? The expression goes, go touch grass. Like just go touch grass, please. Like the chronically online energy is just, but again, I feel like that's just a whole other level of healing that those individuals are, are needing. And that's a whole other conversation that could be for another time. But, um, now that you're in this work, how have you found the balance in your life between that feminine and masculine energy? Do you feel like you're integrating it better? Where are you at with that? Such a good question. I feel like it takes some time at first because, you know, I work with women now that are, you know, building their businesses online as well. And I think part of it is when you're starting something new, whether this be like a new hobby or a new business, you also have to figure out how you work in the thing. And that takes time, right? Like you have to know, you know, when you work best or how you work and, um, and what works for you. Like, you know, is it late at night? Is it in the evening? Is it taking a week off every month? Is it like, you know, is it three days on three days off? Like you have to figure out what works for you. And that takes a little bit of time. And so I feel like the first year I was like really figuring that out. And I've really gotten into my groove where I feel like now I have such a beautiful, like life integration um but one of the things is i think i I definitely think i and i think this is natural sometimes if people are so in the masculine you can swing so harshly the other way um and naturally then you kind of come back in the middle right and so i think i i definitely had that swing at first like i was living in bali at the time we were living in ubud which is basically like the feminine energy capital of the world okay like it's a beautiful place but like it's like the place where like people are like we'll meet when we meet like we won't set a time like, oh it's it so come. flow oh <laughs> like so flow <laughs> like so flow but also like nothing gets done <laughs> like, absolutely nothing, not nothing yeah. gets done and no. so I I tried that for a while and I was like no, no that doesn't work <laughs> um, we do we do we do need some structure and so right. that's really helped me like find this balance of the masculine and the feminine because if you take away the structure of the masculine, like just like an Uber, like nothing gets done. But if right. you're always in the, in the mat, only in the masculine, then it it's deteriorating for your body and your mind. And so finding that balance of like, you know, what feels good for me? What structures do I put in place? Like, you know, 90% of the time every day, I always start by doing something for myself um, yes. because then yes. I can serve the humans in my world so much more. And that actually fills up my cup and also really learning in this space, like 
you got to know when to turn off because when you work online and you run your own business, it's, it never ends. Like it, it's literally, you could go on forever. Right. And so you have to know when enough is enough and you have to trust yourself in that. And so that's been a big process as well. That's really beautiful. And I think because you worked with a team so much, I feel like putting yourself first in the morning is just such a healing, maybe not necessarily healing, maybe it's healing. I'm not sure how you would describe it, but because you had to focus so much on other people's opinions and decisions and collaborations and insights. Now it's just about you in the morning and then you get to go and do that type of work. Does that sound about right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it creates such a good mental space for me, whether you say like, you know, morning routine or like just for your mental health, like, you know, things like it's, it's not rocket science guys, like drink water, exercise, like get sunshine, like move your body, (laughs) you know, like those little things make me such a better human to serve my humans. And so that's been such a important thing for me to remember. Um, and also, yeah, in this, it's like, again, fall in love with the process. You know, I think so many people, like when they jump into the online world, you know, me and Luca have spoken about this in, in the U S if you ask kids, the majority there's, there's a statistic, but I'm like totally bastardizing this, that (laughs) most kids, if you ask them what they want to be when they grow up now, they say YouTubers. Oh, Um, I've seen this. Right. And like in China, it's like mathematicians or like, you know, astrophysicists or engineers. Yeah. Totally different. Right. Like, Um, and I think sometimes we see the glory of like the online world, whether it be like the followers or the virality or the views or Mm -hmm. the money or whatever, but what's so important to know, just like my, my process as an athlete is like, you have to fall in love with the process. You have to love what you're doing every single day, because yes, there's going to be a small period of time. You know, if if we're talking about like working in the online world where, yes, you're going to have those amazing things, you're going to have incredible launches, or you're going to have people that find you, you're going to have something that goes viral and it's really exciting. But 90% of the time, your day is getting up and doing your things on a computer and serving your humans. And if if you don't love that, then it's not right for you. And you have to fall in love with that because that's the most important thing. Absolutely. I stand by that 100%. Yeah. I think, and I think that is also what sets coaches apart because I feel maybe it's an intuitive thing, but you can tell a coach who is a coach because it lights them the fuck up to serve and be of service and to guide. And then obviously coaching is a very lucrative industry mm-hmm. right now. And I feel like you can also tell with people who just maybe their, their heart isn't in it in the same way. Mm. So. Uh, yeah. And it's, that makes me sad when I see those people, because there are so many good humans out there, like, yes. um, doing this for the right reasons. And I hope those humans just continue to rise and be seen by the world. See, I think the universe is always going to like usher in that flow to make sure that people who are in it for the heart are, are pushed mm. up and seen. I feel like, I feel like they're just, I feel like right now we're in a weird maybe phase in the industry where everyone's kind of got like an, an equal, view or opportunity to have success with it regardless of where their heart is but I feel like like with anything if your heart's not in it you will fade out of it and I feel like that's just going to happen over time as well and I think the with the whole great awakening happening I think I Mm. think the collective is just going to help usher that in its own Mm. way too I I do agree with you like I I do really believe like the integral person always wins in the in the long run right like and so that's such a beautiful reminder because I, there are so many incredible humans out there and like mm-hmm. I, I'm excited for them to see them continue to rise I'm with you on that for sure so you were mentioning Bali I want to talk about I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right Illumina 
Yeah, Illumina. That's Illumina. our retreat. Yes. Ta- you did your, you guys did your first retreat a few months ago in May. Yes. And you were both inspired to do another one in November. So yeah. <laughs> talk to us about this. What is Illumina? I can't pronounce that. My goodness. How do you say it? Illumina. Illumina. Like kind of like yeah. aluminum. Okay. Illumina. Yeah. I like <laughs> aluminum. So or like illuminate, you know, like illuminate. Oh, oh. Yeah, like light. Yeah, that yeah, it's, right. it's like light. Illumina. <laughs> <laughs> and I got that, but the pronunciation <laughs> just went right over my head. Yeah, that's um, okay. So you guys had the second retreat in November. What are these retreats? How are you and Luca, your fiance, teaming up with this? Because he's also in the space of, of yeah. guiding, coaching, hypnotherapy, all of that. So what are these retreats? Tell us everything. Yes. Um, so we always had the vision of running retreats. But when we first moved to Bali, we were literally looking at retreat centers in 2020. Um, and then we all know what happened in 2020, right? Yep. <laughs> um, and so obviously that didn't work out um, at that time. And, and we came back to, to Canada, uh, which is like a whole other story in and of itself. But <laughs> we came back to Canada and, you know, continuing to work with people online. And, and obviously like our like close clients know that we either they met us when we lived there or they knew that we lived there and they were they actually asked us they're like can you run a retreat in Bali can you run a retreat in Bali and like yeah that would be cool um but you know what in that there was like that weird period of time where it's like we thought that COVID was never going to end like for a while yeah that felt very real for a minute there really long yeah um and so finally um when I think we're starting to see the end of it we uh planned our retreat for May um because I love working online. It's given me the opportunity to meet so many clients and humans that I never would have. But, you know, uh, there's nothing that compares to being in person. And hugging, hugging your community. And like feeling people's energy and like seeing people's mannerisms. And like, there is just nothing that compares. And so we knew that we wanted to do that. And and we had 12 incredible women come from around the world. um, And it was literally the most like just except for the olympics because that was a really great experience like it was the most amazing week of my life like it was so incredible to be with people in person and have this common combination of so the whole reason we wanted to run the retreat is we said it it's not a healing retreat so it's not like you are broken you come here to heal right healing is going to be part of anything because there's emotions that come up but it's really around the reason we called it illumina is to activate our light within because there gets to be a point in our growth where it's so powerful for us to own our light and in owning our light we actually have the ability to light other people up in this world but there's a lot that holds people back because shining is very intimidating for people absolutely seeing we have all these wounds that come up in owning all parts of ourselves and owning all of our magic and so the reason we created that retreat was really to go deep into that like because I truly believe that this world changes when we each have the power to change ourselves and step deeply into our own authenticity and our own magic. And how can we cultivate that in other human beings? So we can like all these women from all the different parts of the world, we can take these little light bulbs inside of us and go like light up our areas, right? Because it makes such a difference. And so it was our retreats are this incredible combination of like, doing this inner work but also having fun because that's part of life too like 
yes we can like yeah play like yeah it's so important to like cry and like work through things but it's also so important to like laugh and have fun and like be silly you know and and experience culture and like food and adventure and so bali has such a um safe space in in our heart because we live there and um i have such a deep respect for the people and the culture and the land the balinese people are some of the most beautiful people you will ever meet their religion is incredibly amazing as well because it's um it, it, they have balinese hinduism so it's different than hinduism from india okay the apparently there's a sect of like hindus that came to bali like hundreds and hundreds of years ago and so they have their own special religion that is specific to that island where the rest of indonesia is mostly muslim and christian but they are okay. hindu and so oh. they have the like they are they believe so deeply in karma so if you, the Balinese people are so kind and so loving and so giving and so community and family oriented um, and some of the most dedicated and like embodied, you know, faithful people I've seen, they pray every single day to their gods um, of their land and, and wow. they have this deep belief in, in their faith. And uh, it's something that I respect so, so deeply. And I mean, clearly it works, right? Because you know, Bali is like one of the most <laughs> magical places in the world. Sorry, Luca just said hi. <laughs> well, of course. Um, uh, <laughs> Bali is one of the most like popular tourist destinations in the world, right? Yes. Um, so Especially for spiritual individuals who are yeah. going through their awakenings and their healing and transformation. Yeah. But yeah. one thing that I think I, I want more people to know about Bali is like, so there, there is Bali is a combination of there's quite a few ley lines that cross over um, mm. in Bali. And so that's why it's such a spiritual hub. So it's, it's similar to places like, um, I think it's glass, is it Glastonbury in the UK? Yes. The Pyramids of Egypt. Mount Shasta. Um, Mount Shasta, um, Uluru in, in Australia, yes. like Hawaii. So it's these like spiritual, energetic, like crazy, powerful portals. Essentially. Portals. Yeah. And yeah. so it's intense because when you go to Bali, it's if you don't respect mama bali she will fuck you up like and i say that i say that with like kindness because what we see is there's this interesting like um combination of like there's definitely like this spiritual tourism that comes but there's also like it's very cheap and so there's that party side and so really a lot of people yeah yeah it's very popular for australia australians to go on there and so because it's kind of like the mexico of canada or like okay like go to Mexico a yeah. lot, you know, like that cheap destination place. And so if you do not respect Mama Bali, she will like something will happen. Like you see it all the time. People will get in scooter accidents, they'll get Bali belly. Like so many people that go there get Bali belly. So they're literally getting like de- you know, purging and detoxing. Um, and so when you go, and this is what we say to for anyone listening that ever goes to Bali, or always, you know, I say always before you land, just say a quick prayer of like to thank Mama Bali and respect Mama Bali and say that you come in peace and love and right. respect the people and respect the land. Right. And she will, you will have a beautiful experience. But if okay. you don't respect her, and, and, and I, this is something that I actually do because I travel a lot and something that I make sure that I do when I travel because every, this is like total side tangent, but That's you know, okay. as you would Here know, <laughs> every land, like every land that we go on, it has been has been the you know there has been traditional owners you know of that land from centuries and centuries before us you know you know i like live on the land of the musqueam salish and suluatu nations in canada you know and everywhere in canada was owned by first nations people and so wherever you go whenever you travel 
And one of the things that I do is I always just thank the traditional owners of the land and ask yeah. for safety. And I let them know that I come in peace and I come in respect and I come in love. And like, yes, I've never had any issues. So that's my little like hot tip for people. <laughs> oh, and I urge everyone who's listening to take that hot tip because as a medium, I can tell you absolutely there is a lot of power and truth behind that because the earth is a sentient consciousness, right? And the ancestors and original tribe owners of these lands are also their own consciousness and they have left their mark on the land and there is an energetic, they're not energetic cords, um, imprints, energetic imprints that are left from these conscious souls and beings in the planet and consciousness is energy, energy vibrates, energy impacts you, everything is energy, so... Mm. Yeah, take the tip. <laughs> take the tip. Yeah. Avoid Bali Belly. Avoid avoid it all. Yeah. But like I don't mean to scare people away. Like no. she's amazing. She is of course. I love her. I have a deep place in my heart for her. But yeah, just be be respectful. And so I, I love that we get to bring people there because um we we do know the land and the people and we have like friends there and, and um it's nice to bring you know, clients and people that come in and, and have that real deep knowing, you know, I, I know some people run retreats in places that they've never been before. Right. And that doesn't really like vibe with me very well. Cause I think it's really right. important. Like I, I don't want to just have be a connection white, there. Yeah. Don't want to be another white person that's going to like a tropical place and like, you know, and, and so it's like having that respect is so important. So it's honestly, it's so fun, so powerful, so transformational. Um, if you ever, if anyone ever gets the opportunity to go to a retreat, it doesn't have to be our retreat, like find somebody that's embodied, find somebody that is like integral and yes. you will have the best experience. Absolutely. <laughs> and do you have spots left in your guys' retreat for anyone listening who might be interested in going to yours? At this time, we have a, so many people that have applied that we're just about to interview. So okay. I mean, by the time this comes out, it might be full, but you can always, um, definitely let us know um and apply and we can let you know and if if not this one then any in the future that we run we don't have any dates for the future but definitely the november one so we do have some spots available pending okay this comes out at, i think this is coming time. out like monday like five oh, okay days from now yeah, yeah yeah okay um so i will make sure that that's linked in our our show notes so yeah. that for those of you who are interested in <laughs> i'm not even going to try to say it again i can't i'm having alumina Illumina. Illumina. I never thought that it was hard to say. So I'm really glad that you no, brought that up. <laughs> no, it's, I'm telling you, Danielle, it's really not. I think, you know, Mercury's about to go retrograde and I'm just going to blame it on that. Just okay. okay. I'm going to blame it on that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we get into the community Q and A and answering some of their questions. <gasps> yes. I'm so excited. I want to know what your biggest piece of advice for the collective would be. Oh, that is a big question. It is. I'm going to pull up the questions while you reflect on this. Just in general, like it, life in advice. General. Life okay. advice. Like if I was going to look one last specific. thing. Yeah. You can make it specific if you want to, whatever feels good for you. Yeah. What feels true for me right now? Mm. I love that question. what feels true for me right now because i think i've been asked this question before but it's different for different periods of my life and and so as for today like if you want to change the world this is so cheesy but if you want to change the world it starts with yourself 
Like, and, yes. and I was the type of person that growing up, I always wanted to change the world. And I thought if I was nice to everyone else, and I thought if I loved on everyone else, and I thought if I, you know, gave to charities and did all this stuff that it would, that, that would make the difference. But the biggest difference that you can make in this world is working on yourself and loving yourself fully yes. and completely and holistically. And from Ooh. that place, yes. you actually have the power to light up this world in such a deeper way. Like one of my mentors that I've worked with for over two years, she has done a lot of work in uh, with um, in the quantum field and with mm. a lot of uh, people that have been in that space. And it has been measured if one person makes a vibrational change within inside of themselves that vibrationally affects 10,000 people. Yes. Yes. 10,000 people. Right. 10, and so like you have the opportunity to change 10,000 people's lives every single day by how you show up and how you act and how you love on yourself and love on the spaces that you're in. And, and that will make the biggest freaking difference. Beautiful advice. We've got a couple of questions. We've got a handful here. Someone asked, what's your relationship to discipline and how has it evolved since your time in the Olympics? Such a good question. Somebody asked me when I was training for the Olympics, they said, how do you do it? Like, how do you yeah. get up every day and do it? And something that really helped me, um, and this was actually a reframe that my sports psych said to me, he, it, because they asked me how I was motivated um, every single day. And he said, you don't have to be motivated. You just have to be committed. Ooh. And I think that that's such an important note, even for discipline, because we think that we have to want to do it all the time. And it's not always true, right? I think that, yeah. we think so deeply in the short term of like, you know, like whether, yeah, I know you run, like you might not yes. want to go for the run, but you know, you're going to feel better after the run, right? That's like it. you might not want to do the meditation, but you know, you're going to feel better after it. Yes. And so remembering it's the power of like knowing that it's okay to not feel like you want to do the thing but also knowing that you are committed to your long-term vision and that's what makes a difference yeah. um, because i think if we can make more decisions not based on like what it feels like right now but what we're going to feel like in the long term a lot yes. of us are going to make much more aligned decisions for our life in the way that we eat in the way that we move in the people that we interact with yes. it's not about the instant gratification but the long-term benefit because if I look at the long-term benefit of what I want in my life, like we could all make such more disciplined and powerful decisions. I love that. Commit to what you want long-term rather than what you want mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. I love that. Someone asked, I I'm assuming in reference to the Olympics, was it everything you imagined it to be? Was it everything I imagined it to be? In some ways, yes. Absolutely. Okay. And, but like more, and in some ways, no. And okay. so I'm going to say the no first, the no, because I realize this is so funny. I like, I'm an Olympic lover. Like I love, I'm obsessed with the Olympics. I love Absolutely. it all Olympics in general, even before I went. Um, so like another little breadcrumb probably, but, um, Absolutely. <laughs> I realized that when I was going, my, my ex was laughing at me at the time. Cause I said to him, I was like, I'm competing. Like I can't, I can't just like sit and watch the Olympics all day because I have to train. And so like one of the things that I like had this big realization, I was like, Oh, like I can't watch it that much because I'm doing it. And so like, that was kind of disappointing. Fair. Um, yeah. Fair. And also, and this is have really helped me. Like this has been such a big benefit from a manifestation level as well. Like in the know of why it wasn't as much what I expected is because everything is so bizarre and amazing at that level but mm -hmm. to be able to compete at a high level you have to make it all normal 
Like you can't walk around every day being like, I'm at the Olympics. This is amazing. Right. Da, 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 da. You have to be like, this is normal. It's right. normal to see the Olympics rings everywhere. It's normal to see famous people. It's normal to speak to presidents and royalty. It's normal right. for people to have gold medals. Like, because that, and this is like, this is manifestation of itself. Like normalize your next level because oh, once it's normalized, yeah, you will manifest it and you will be able to hold it because yeah. it's, I was having this balance of like, this deep gratitude for being there and this deep awe, but yep. also this knowing that I was worthy of being in that level and to be worthy of being in that level, it's normal. It's normal mm -hmm. that I go to the Olympic games. It's yeah. normal that, you know, we have media news reporters. And so that was weird to me because I thought initially I was like, I'm going to walk every around every day. Like it's the Olympics. This is amazing. Da -da -da -da. Right. Right. But it's like, you, st you still feel like the same person. You still wake up in the morning and sometimes you have a bad sleep and like right. you don't fart spark <laughs> you sparkles every day because you're at the Olympic games. Like you still exactly. feel like you. And you so that's where it didn't feel um, okay. as much like that, that's what I didn't expect, but how it was better than my expectations is, you know, one of the experiences was um, I got the opportunity to walk in the opening ceremony. And so not every athlete gets to walk in the opening ceremony. And, and I was always a girl, again, breadcrumbs from the universe, right? Like I would sit down and watch the opening ceremony of every Olympic games. And I would cry as I watched the athletes come out. Like, I didn't even know I was going then, right? Like I would just, I was like, each person mm. has accomplished so much in their life to get there. And so when I realized that I could walk in it myself, I was, it was buzzing because Ooh. that was a moment where I really got to take it all in. And so this, can I tell this little story? Is this okay? Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Go for it. Please tell. <laughs> I just want to respect your time. Um, oh, we're good. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so there is the day of the opening ceremony. We all have to wear specific outfits. So they tell you exactly what you have to wear, how you have to tie your scarf and like hold your bag and everything and shoes that you have to wear and socks and everything. It's very, cool. it's very specific. Okay. Um, and we get into these buses. There's like you know, there's thousands of people walking in the opening ceremony. So we get into these buses, like hundreds of buses, they stop the traffic in Rio. So we could go down, all these athletes go to um, the arena. I think it was like, I think there was like a hundred thousand people in the arena. Like it was insanely huge. Um, and when you get to the um, opening ceremony, you walk in based on out the alphabet, right? Um, and so being from Australia, it, we were at the beginning. Uh, it was the Brazilian alphabet, but a is still at the beginning. Um, so, <laughs> so Australia like goes and lines up at the front. So if you're at the end of the alphabet, there's actually another stadium that you have to wait in um, because it takes about an hour and a half, two hours to like get everyone in. Well, that makes like, sense. It's a, a long process, athlete. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so we are at the front um, and, and like we're about to walk into this dark tunnel and on the inside, like you can see like in the distance, the, the arena and oh. the ceremony is going on, right? So you can, you can, you like imagine a hundred thousand people like cheering, right? Like it's, you can feel it. Like oh. whether you believe in energy or not, like you can feel that, like it's yeah. so palpable and there's celebration going on and we see the flag bear in the front and me and my teammates were like we're gonna get on tv like this is our thing like i wrote on my hand like hi mom and dad um i have That's a picture so cute. That's so and cute. i was like we're determined to get on tv and so we're like okay like we like if we come out and we'll probably walk this way and the camera will probably be on this side and i'm holding my teammates hand my teammate emily's hand and and we're about to walk into the this like tunnel and this tunnel is black it's dark for some reason but you can see the light at the end and in that moment that's so metaphoric right yeah yeah so metaphoric like that. in that moment 
the Aussies started chanting. So I don't know if you know the Aussie, like it's like the Aussie chant, it's Aussie, 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 oi, 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 Aussie, oi, Aussie, oi. And so we would do that before we compete every time. And and another part of my journey was this big part of like reconnecting with my Australian heritage because my whole family is from that. And so, you know, I'm so proud to be Canadian, but also so proud to be Australian. And and the whole team started chanting, Aussie, oi, Aussie, oi, as like we're walking through this tunnel and I just start like bawling my eyes out because it was this moment where I all it was like a montage in my mind right like the little girl who never thought that she could like the girl that was concussed the girl that like was exhausted and tired and ran to practice the girl that didn't have a car the girl that wanted to give up like everything was running through my head and I was holding my teammates hand and and as soon as like we would there was the darkness and then there was the light of the stadium and as soon as we I walked into the light of the stadium I felt like in that moment like in my body I was like I made it oh this fucking chills (laughs) wow holy shit yeah I was bawling my eyes out because I was so proud like it's still you know it obviously makes me emotional still absolutely it, it that feeling was like nothing I could have ever expected um and I got on TV and the next day, me and my teammate, Emily, were on the front of the newspapers all across Australia. And I'm like this, ah, like literally, like I sent you the picture, like I'm like crying because <laughs> I was like so overwhelmed with, yeah. with gratitude and, and pride. Um, and so that was probably one of the best moments of, of my life of actually allowing myself to feel that. And it, I was like, I'm the girl that's in a movie. Like, um, this is a yes. movie. Like, this isn't me. This is a movie, right? Yeah. Like, but yeah. it was my real life. And so that was probably that something is... wilder than I could have ever expected. Absolutely. That's fucking insane, dude. <laughs> oh, I have, like, full chills all over my body. It's just, like, pinging. Like, that is so – that's awe-inspiring. Mm. Like, that's just – it's so beautiful. Like, all your work. Oh, my God. Oh, that's making me emotional. Oh. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Thanks. I, I, I love sharing that because I think I think you know every we might not you might not have a moment like that, but like we've had moments in our life, like every single one of us, where it's like every everything that we've gone through goes through our mind, mm-hmm. and then and then it happens, and we yes. we see for the first time how everything has lined up so divinely to get us to that space. Like and it is day. that. Yeah, like a wedding day, like yeah, you know, like you. I'm sure, like publishing your book, like you just see, oh like my God, yeah, right, like it's yeah. wow, like it was all for something, like all the ups, all the downs, all the challenges. Like yeah. if she only knew, if she only knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that was me this past weekend running my first 10k race on like a very specific day on August 19th, which in my history was just not a good day, like rewriting that history was very much that moment yeah. of like, if only 10 years ago, me could have known what today would actually mean rather than what mm-hmm. she was experiencing. So definitely those moments are powerful. Those moments. It's like, we just have no idea what's in the future and we have to have that grace and that trust that we are supported in this process, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. The next question for you is what was the hardest part about getting there mindset or training if you had to pick? Um, obviously both like she trained, <laughs> she, she performed in the Olympics guys, like obviously very, very challenging for both. Well, like in training, there is mindset, right? Like, cause the right. way that you have to get through training is mindset. So I'd say like both in that, but the level 
I guess ultimately mindset, because what you have to overcome in your mind to be able to train at that level is absolutely insane. So eight, 10 months before the Olympics, we had a coach who got fired for overtraining us. And so at that point we were training so much, we'd wake up in the morning, we'd do a 45 minute run, and then we would do a 45 minute land workout. And then we would do an hour water workout. And then we'd have two hours of like our routines, which are exhausting. And we train with weight belts on. So imagine like being in water and having a weight belt on. Um, and then we'd have an hour lunch. Then we'd have an hour gymnastics and we'd have three more hours of swimming. Then we'd have an hour for dinner and then we'd have two hours of review. And so it was like Holy the crap. level of exhaustion is just like, uh, uh, have you ever watched Vampire Diaries? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. And so you know how he says he switches off his human? Yes. Um, and so that that's like literally what we had to do, like to get through that because you're so pushed to your limit and you're so pushed. Imagine the hardest workout that you've ever done and then do having to do it six times, 10 times throughout the day and do that for two weeks. Like, <laughs> like it's insane, right? And so the level inhumane. of mindset that you, inhumane, yeah, it's the level of mindset that you have to have to be able to compete at that to be able to train at that level is something that I think a lot of people will never understand in their life. Um, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about mindset now. Um, and it also shows you how powerful the mind is because it's not the body that gets to that. It's the mind. Right. Yeah. Oh, yep. I'm, (laughs) I'm going to believe everything you do. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm just, I'm as a runner, and understanding a very small scale, what athleticism takes. I'm so proud of you. And I just, I'm like mind blown. Cause God damn. <laughs> I, one of the things that I say, like, I wish that I could like have banked all of my workouts and like, just, they would just trickle over my life, but it doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, it's like, only, eh? <laughs> cause I'm like, I've done enough workouts probably for like three lifetimes, but it doesn't work like that. You just easily. <laughs> do you have like a workout routine now or are you just kind of like no like walk no, yoga for for a while like I needed to rest but now like I I it's for my mental health like I I okay. love it I love I love movement so I I do my best to like work out or move like six days a week so okay good and probably yeah. a lot different of a relationship with it then yeah I have that's another unlearning that I had to have yeah yeah not making it a competition or like a sport but just doing it for yeah. enjoyment yeah and realizing it's not normal to exercise six hours a day and you don't need to <laughs> as a normal person and so really don't need to. I didn't I didn't know that like when I stopped training or right, in off periods right and so I would go and do four hours of workouts by myself and I was like and you know I had to uh, my process of unlearning and healing yeah for sure oh damn girl okay we touched on this a little bit but someone asked how to embrace feminine energy with a need for all that masculine energy in your life hmm First of all, realizing that the feminine is safe. Mm. Ooh, ooh, that hits. Yeah, I think a lot mm. of people don't realize that. They mm. don't feel safe in the feminine because I think a lot of women are over busy um, because it's a protection mechanism. Yeah. And so a big part of my leaning into feminine was actually having to sit with myself. Okay. Because if I 
because feminine is a lot more slowness and a lot more stillness. And I think a lot of women or people avoid that because they are afraid of being with themselves. And if we're afraid of being with ourselves, we're going to have a really hard time slowing down. That's why people that are always in their masculine have a hard time meditating or a hard time doing yoga because they're with their thoughts. And so if you can realize that it's safe to be with yourself and there's no parts of you that are bad or wrong, that you're just a soul living a human experience that has been through things that you have been through to make you who you are and you can see all of those things that you see as demons in the closet and love them, then you're actually going to have so much more ability to lean into the feminine because that process allowed me to be safe. Like I've had so many moments now where like, you know, tears come to my eyes because like I feel at peace when I'm in stillness and that Mm. was not my experience for a long time. And, And sitting in my feminine has had to come through healing. Yeah, absolutely. I think the mind, and I see this in my work a lot too, is the mind can be a very scary place to be when you're not used to being in it. So I think that's beautiful for everyone who's listening because everyone deals with that on some level of being afraid of being in the feminine, regardless of sex or gender as well too. I think, you know, it's where that toxic masculine patriarchal kind of energy envelops society. So, um, okay. And the final question is how has this affected your relationship with your body? There's like two polarities you can look at with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So part of it, like my journey to the Olympics, it gave me so much awe for what my body can do. Absolutely. Wow. Like, look what I can like do. This is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Just like go YouTube synchronize something. Like you're, you're going to probably think the same thing. Like it's amazing, right? No, it's insane. I have a question on your breath later. I need to ask you because I'm still mind blown, but continue. (laughs) Um, And so there was a polarity of, I'm so amazed at my body, but I also was in an aesthetic sport. And so there is very, unfortunately, a lot of eating disorder, a lot of body dysmorphia in that space, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of negativity around body image. It's changing for sure, but um, there is a lot of that. And that's really hard, you know, I share the story because I think that this is so important for women to understand that have ever struggled with their relationship with their body. I was standing in the change room with the Russian team. The Russian team won gold at the Olympics. They've won gold for many, many years. They're incredible athletes. They're incredible at their sport. And they were all the top, you know, they're obviously they're they're at the peak of their performance. They're at the they're about to win a gold medal and they were and they're so like their bodies are sculpted right they look like a statue and they're standing in the mirror and pinching their skin and they didn't like what they saw you know like you don't have to speak russian to understand what self-conscious looks like in the mirror as a woman right yeah and that was such a powerful moment because i was like if they're not happy like they're not even happy like it's clearly it's clearly way more than the physical and that was such a big moment because I think a lot of women still they go oh well when I get to this body type then I'll be happy yeah it's like that's an when I get to this fitness when I'll be happy and again those things it's it's fine if you if you want to change your body like I'm like if you want to change your body if you want to do anything with your body that's fine yeah but understand that the inner work is also part of it because if you are doing that external thing to feel something internally you're going to be you're going to be ready for a long time yeah and so that has been a really big part of my journey and um 
my challenge and also you know part of what I do now like self-worth as well with a lot yes. of women comes around body image you know and and also how you hold yourself yes. um Luca actually said it the other day and I think this I say that Luca said it because this is from a man and he said sexy is not a body image is like a shape or size sexy is an energy yes yes and I think you know people that identify as women like understand that like yeah. it doesn't act it's like it doesn't matter what you look like it matters how you feel about yourself and increasing yes. your confidence and your self-worth makes a absolute world of a difference yes because that is your energy being projected outwards and people pick up on that energy so if you're confident you look hot as fuck regardless of exactly. what you look like exactly yeah. oh i love that Oh my gosh. Um, okay. The question on breath, how the hell did you hold your, like I watched that video and I thought I was going to pass out. How do you, like, <laughs> did you guys have to do breath work? Like, was that something that you guys were like, how do you get to that point? I wish that I knew more about breath work when I was like, you know, if we think about the, you know, somatic breath work or, yes. um, tantric breath work or like Wim Hof. Like I wish I, I learned about Wim Hof in my last year and I started to use that before my training and that was really powerful, but okay. I wish that I knew more back then, but we have our, our, in our workouts, we train our breath. And that's, I think why okay. one of the reasons that synchronized swimming is such a incredible sport because no other sport deals with that level like swimmers to a degree but to that extent because you try and do anything to your highest capacity without breathing and it is so hard <laughs> well, i believe it right yeah. and so you know people often ask me like how long can you hold your breath and it's not necessarily about that because if you have a resting heart rate it, it's a lot easier to hold your breath for a long time but if your heart is going 160 to 108 beats per minute like mm -hmm. you feel you could feel like five seconds is an eternity right? right and so holding your breath when your heart rate is pounding and every single part of your body is telling your mind that you need to breathe or you are going to pass out and die Holy and fuck. then you still have to like perform at your highest capacity and then still pop out of the water and pretend that, that you're all good smile <laughs> smile right or have whatever facial expression it is in that part of the routine like right it's so incredibly hard that like it it, it is it, it really told it really showed me like the mind over matter because one of the things we do a lot in synchronized swimming is smile but i also love smiling because what does smiling do smiling tells our mind yes we do it because we're happy but also it's there's an association between our mind and our and our smile our facial muscles which tell us that we are happy and so i loved smiling even when i was training because it always made it feel a little bit easier because if i was it tricks it was tricking my brain even yeah. though every part of me felt like i was dying Holy to and but then I could smile through it and pretend that nothing is wrong like it is it's so powerful so we would do like one of the things that we do we would do uh, we would skip to our routine and then whenever we were under we would wear a nose plug as we were skipping and we whenever we were under the water in that part of the routine we'd hold our breath and so we practice like that <clears throat> Um, but we also do like hypoxic training. So we would do like right. a timed lap. So you, you dive in and you swim and then you, then you swim under the water. So you swim 25 meters above 25 meters under. Okay. Um, and so you train like that, or we would do our routine. It's very different, like than training for like running. Cause we would, you, oh, you train over. Whereas like, you know, if a lot of times if you're training for a marathon, you don't do the, the full amount until the day. Yeah. Um, whereas in synchronized swimming, like <clears throat> we would do our routine six times in a row. 
like back to back. And like one time is like the hardest thing in the world. And then, but we'd sometimes we do that three times with a weight belt on and then three times without a weight belt on. And so it's just a lot of repetition and a lot of work that helps you hold your breath that long. Oh my God, girl, your mindset must be unbreakable (laughs) at this point. Like human and having your days, obviously, but like your mindset must be just so strong held in your brain. Like for the most part. I think so. I I still have my days, but like- Oh, of course you're human, right? But God damn, it's so (laughs) impressive. It it showed me how capable I am, if anything, Um, but how capable so many of us are as well because I'm not the only one in the world that does synchronized swimming and I'm not the only one in the world that does phenomenal things in in sport or in in life. And so, you know, I think one of the things that we, I I want humans to understand too, is like, we can transfer things, right? Like, even if you might not have done that exact thing, you might have done something similar, which is going to have skills that transfer. Like I hadn't done building business and helping people online, but I have a lot of things that I know from sport that I can help, that can help me in this space. So we can transfer things, even though they might not be exactly the same. And we can use our past experiences to show us how powerful we are in this part of our life. Yeah. I love that so much. It's so true. It's just about taking, taking the wisdom. It's like, yeah, taking the wisdom and applying it in a different way, putting a new picture, a new, a new image on it. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. I have one final question for you before we wrap up. I ask every guest that comes on the podcast, this one question. What is one limiting belief about yourself that you had to let go of to get where you are today? I'm still letting go of this. This We are an onion. Yes. Oh, Um, yes. This is (laughs) a never ending one. (laughs) Like this still comes up. But my biggest thing was I felt like I was not enough. Wow. I felt like I was never enough. And, And like I say this authentically I still Mm -hmm. have moments I have moments where that still comes up and so don't think that just because someone has done something that they never have struggles anymore absolutely I have all the tools to overcome it but I still have my days where like what if I'm just not enough yeah right and I went to the Olympics and that still comes up and so I am not immune to it I'm not immune um and that's like my core my core one that is a a challenge but it's also been my greatest gift but because i felt like i was not enough it gave me the drive to prove to everyone that i was enough to get to the olympic games and in my journey of going there i had this moment a week before olympic team trials where it really was like what if i fail you know what if i actually don't make it on the team in that moment i had this epiphany where i realized that it was never about the olympic games it was about proving to myself that I was enough. Wow. And it was oh. about the pursuit. It was about the pursuit of the dream. And it wasn't necessarily about the actual tangible thing. And that if I got to the Olympics, that would just be the cherry on top. But in that journey, I had proven to myself that I was enough on every single level. Mm-hmm. And that, when I, when I fully harnessed that internally, it let me ex- let go of expectations. Yeah. And this is manifestation, right? Yeah, it is. And because I let go of expectations, I had like some of my best swims at Olympic team trials and I, I made the team, you know? And so know that in the pursuit of whatever journey that you are on, it is, it is about the journey. It's not about the end destination and it's about finding it within. Oh, so beautiful. And here's to you finding your next level of like being enough in this life. 
in this next part Thank of your you. path. It's a great pursuit, you know, I think it it's, really is like, I'm grateful for that because it, it's, it challenges me to be, continue to grow as a human. And so, yeah. you know, if we can see the things that have challenged us as also our greatest gifts and be in that duality, it's, I think it's one of the greatest things that we can do in this life. I couldn't agree more. It's alchemy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Danielle, thank you so much for such an empowering conversation. This was so beautiful. It's so fun. I've loved it. Oh my gosh. I hope everyone listening checks out all of your socials below. I'll have everything linked, your book, your retreat, all of your, your offerings will be below. And, um, as usual, you guys go be your divine self this week. You got this. I love you.